me, the word spiritual is a reconnection with the non-physical part of you and a full realization and understanding that you are not just this human robot that has to eat, sleep, shit, repeat, go to work, pay your taxes, get a pension, go on a cruise and die. Hello and welcome back to the Kelly Lumber podcast. I'm your host, business mentor and personal brand and style expert who is on a personal mission to inspire a minimum of five people daily to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. And each week I hear from you, which I love on Instagram or on Facebook to say you're one of the five a day who's been inspired by something that you've listened to or heard from one of the guests. And I love this. So please keep doing that. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And if you haven't come and said hi on Instagram, Kelly Lundberg Official, please do. I'd love to meet you. And what was the episode or what was the one thing that you heard one of the guests say that made you do something different? Now, in today's episode, I'm super excited to share with you. We catch up with Noor Hibbert. Now, I first came across her book a couple of years ago and I listened to it within two days. Um, And I knew as soon as I launched my podcast that I wanted her to be one of my guests. She's got incredible energy and I love that her mission is to not only make spirituality sexy, but to make personal development more mainstream so that everyone has the opportunity to live happier, more fulfilling lives. Couldn't agree with this more. In this episode, we talk about how you can be rich, the myths surrounding money, which there's loads of, and how to make a mindset change, how you can manifest anything that you want in life. And she has so many examples, which I know are going to make the little hairs in your arm stick up like they did for me. Noor's created two six-figure businesses in just three years whilst raising um, three small children. And, you know, she has embarked on the spiritual journey, which she honestly believes has accelerated her success. So enjoy this honest, energetic episode. Welcome to the show, Noor. It's so good to have you. (laughs) Thank you so much. If anyone wants to listen to the bloopers of how many times it took us to say welcome to the show, that'll be at the end of this episode. (laughs) I love it. Now, I came across you originally, I think it was a couple of years, your first book just came out, it came up on Audible, I loved the title, and then I remember walking around, um, where was I living in Dubai at the time, but walking around, listening to every day, and I'm like, love this woman, one day I'd love to have a conversation with her, and two years later, here we are, so... um, Amazing. I didn't realize that that was how it happened. Yeah, 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 and then I followed you on social media, and always loved your messaging, and you're always so honest and you know everything in your book was just I, I you know it was it was I say an easy story in the sense it was really great to listen to because it was like you were just chatting to me like hopefully people listening today will think the same so yeah, for those I- that don't know you do you want to give a little backstory oh my gosh yeah sure so uh, my name is Noah Hibber I'm um I help people to transform their mindsets so they can master manifestation and create a life of freedom so like I kind of if I had a tattoo which I don't it'd be like freedom fighter you know I really just I just have ever since being younger I just felt like I was never meant to be part of the mold um I always felt like an outsider I always felt like I didn't want to do things the way that other people uh, wanted to do things and 
I just felt like life didn't make sense to me. Like life as I saw other people living never made sense to me. And this is a very weird sensation as a child to have is what, like something's not right. And I used to close my eyes and ask my mom, like, I don't understand. When I close my eyes, there's something inside me. I can hear a voice in my head. Like, who is that inside? And these were, you know, crazy questions for like a young child to ask. So I kind of guess ever since I was very young, I kind of just always felt this like, separation from everybody else in terms of like what everyone was doing so I think that separation actually from the real world in inverted commas actually led me to being actually quite mentally unwell I really struggled through my childhood with being bullied with always feeling like an outsider you know my parents divorced when I was younger and that was a very 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 um, I was actually really happy they divorced it was like the best news like I wasn't one of those children that was like oh my god my parents are divorced it was the best thing like I lived in world war three so for them divorcing it was the best thing but it was very very traumatic afterwards with all the fighting and the custodies and all of that jazz so Mm. that went through I then um, was getting really badly bullied at school at one point and I really was at a point where I didn't want to be around like I like when you're when you already feel like you don't belong anywhere and then people in your world make you feel like that even more I got to a point sort of then when I was um 16 I had got into a relationship with an older boy and you know hashtag daddy issues my dad really wasn't emotionally available to me my whole life and then my parents divorced and he was even less available and you know I had this older boy come in my life he was five years older and, you know, I felt completely in love. We would like, you know, drive in his little white Citroen AX down to Brighton and eat chicken nuggets from McDonald's. And, you know, I was living the good life. But unfortunately, he was, he, he had his own problems. And unfortunately, I became the product of his own family's, you know, his dad was an alcoholic. I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't know, really know what happened behind closed doors, but I became the punching bag, um, not physically, but very um you know I was six I was a 16 year old girl who was in a very emotionally abusive relationship but didn't realize that of course mm-hmm. till I was an adult but like for example you know he tried to commit suicide because I wanted to go out with my friends so you know I'm in a, I'm an A&E with my mom while he's having his stomach pumped because he's taking all these pills and he's telling me this is your fault like if like if you leave me again so this was just like but that was like the most severe that of a lot of little experiences I mean, once I was in a pub and he, he threw a pint of beer over me because he thought a boy was looking at me and said, you know, so, but, but for me, you know, as a 16 year old girl, I didn't realize that this wasn't normal. And I sort of stayed because I was, I mentally wasn't very well. And I got to the point where I was then, you know, put onto antidepressants um, because I just, I didn't know what to do anymore. So I was really in a bad place at the age of 16. Did family and friends try and help with that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it was really hard because at the time I kept it quite secret because I didn't really, I felt quite ashamed. I didn't really know what was wrong with me. And, and I, and and this actual conversation I had with my mum, probably, probably about five or six years ago was when she found out I was an antidepressant, she got angry Mm -hmm. and she got angry that the doctor put me on that, but never actually sat down and asked me what was really wrong. And I had this conversation with her and she said to me, like, she was really upset. She cried. So I just didn't, I was in denial. I didn't really understand, uh, you know, how to deal with it, what to do. My mum was a nurse. So she's a very matter of fact person, you know, she didn't, and she's a very strong person. She doesn't understand people who aren't strong. So she just didn't understand, but, you know, I'm she completely, you know, brought us together in terms of like an understanding as we grow older. But, and then years, I did, we did finally break up and, 
you know, of course it was the best thing, but I started to develop um, bad anxiety. So when I was 19, you know, I was then diagnosed with anxiety. And by the time I got to 23, so actually we were talking about this Club 1830 thing before we came on live, because when I was 19, sort of like, I'd gone to school, I'd gone to private girls' school, I'd got all the, you know, all of the grades. And I, I mean, I really had to work hard to get the grades. Went to university and just felt more lost than ever. I did not know what I was meant to do with my life, what my purpose was. My friends were going off to uni to become doctors and lawyers and teachers, and they knew what they wanted to do. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go and work as a holiday rep and use a hundred grand's worth of private education wisely and go and get drunk because I had started to realize as well that getting drunk was an escape for me. And I actually didn't, I actually hadn't touched any drugs till I was the age of 19. I hadn't touched, I hadn't even smoked weed. I was so anti-drugs. But when I got to 19 and, you know, people around me were starting, you know, drinking a lot and I'd always kind of been drinking for years, but for me, it was like, what a perfect escape. I can get to go away. I get to party. I get to drink every night. I don't have to deal with real life. And so I did that from 19, 20, um, 21, 22. So I went off and I started to make that my career. I went and, and worked my way up the ranks and eventually, you know, became a manager in 2011. And I was like, I'm just going to do one summer. I'm never going to go back again. Well, that sounds and, familiar. I said exactly the same when I went yeah. to be a holiday day. This is another thing that we had in common. I'd seen him on a new uh, newest post that she was a an ex holiday. Oh, in fact, you know what? I didn't. I saw it in the Facebook group. Are you not part of the Facebook group that's all holiday reps or something that had come up anyway? And I said exactly the same. I'm going for one season, yeah. and four years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, I did work my way up, so I was in a management position, which was amazing. That was actually my my dream when I first started. I at the first time I was like, no, I'm not going to do it again. Went back again. And I thought, you know what? I've really not got a clue what I want to do in my life. So I might as well just work at this. And so I got really, really good at that job. I got really good at learning to sell and managing people and blah, blah, blah. And it really created an amazing work ethic in me. I'll never forget, actually, those years helped me become the entrepreneur that I am because one thing that you need is work ethic. Um, And if you can go out partying to five in the morning and then sell the next day, you are, you know, work all day next day, you are done. You know, you're long hours. You know, I can't even remember when I, so I went from crew, sorry, holiday repping to cabin crew. And, you know, I remember crew used to like really complain after we maybe did, you know, an eight hour flight and we'd be like, oh, like from Dubai to London, let's just say yeah. eight hours. And they're like, yeah. oh God, that was such a long flight. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We were yeah. ten hour day followed by a four-hour bar crawl, and then you'd be back up again. So I am completely with you on the work ethic. It prepared me for motherhood like nothing else, I tell you that. Like, I was like, if people were like, I'm so tired, I'm getting up in the night. I'm like, oh, fucking hell, mate. This is nothing compared to being hungover and doing this. Um, So, yeah, no, it was, um, so, I mean, to cut, I mean, you asked my backstory, bloody hell. I was going to say cut a long story short, but it's been the longest story ever. In 2010, I then met my husband, who was actually a guest, in um, one of the hotels that I was working at. And um, we, well, holiday romance. I thought it was a holiday romance. Ended up not being a holiday romance 11 years later. Oh, um, I love it. But, yeah, but um, you literally, I, I'll never forget, like I just caught a relationship and I was like, I'm going to be single. I, and then I actually sh- t- share this story in my net, my new book that comes out in October, actually, because I talk about how when we're completely detached from an outcome, 
how it just completely manifests so much quicker. And I had decided for the first time in all of my life that I wanted to be single rather than continually going from relationship to relationship. So I'd literally been in like six serious relationships up until that point. And, um, and so I was like, no, I'm going to be single. I'm going to be single. And I actually broke up with my uh, previous boyfriend on July the 16th, 2010. We broke up. So um, I was like, I'm going to be single. That's it. I'm going to be traveling. Like, I'm not going to be in relationships. I met Richard on July the 17th, 2010. <laughs> um, so, um, and, you know, we ended up, I ended up falling pregnant with my daughter, Layla, in the winter of 2011. Um, which really was a bit of a spanner in the works in terms of like, well, I thought I was going to have my shit together when I had a baby. I thought I was going to have a job. And here I was now literally having to leave the career that I was working in as a club rep or a manager now. I was, I was and that you really enjoyed by the sounds of it. Sorry? And that you really enjoyed, like you enjoyed yeah. that. I mean, look, it was really hard in the last year because um, I, Rich was at home in, in the UK, obviously he had a job. And I had to spend the summer abroad. Um, and that was really hard because it was sort of bittersweet because I got finally got to this promotion that I'd wanted. I was now a resort manager for um, Ibiza, which is one of the biggest, which it was our biggest resort, actually. So, you know, I had really climbed the ranks and got to where I wanted to be. But it was bittersweet because, of course, my partner, the love of my life, was at home in the UK. And yeah, he did fly, up, fly out to come and see me, but it was it's not quite the same. So I was already kind of umming and ahhing about whether I, I continued, um, you know, working for club, but I was so lost in my life. I didn't know what I was meant to do. And now I'm here 24 years old. My liver's probably on its fucking last legs. <laughs> and um, I'm nowhere nearer to finding what I'm meant to be doing with my life. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, and then, and then obviously I gave birth to my daughter and that for me was the, start of the rest of my life it was the start of me realizing and deciding that I actually wanted to do something really good with my life really important and I, I always kind of knew that I wanted to do that I just didn't know which box I fit into mm. and what I come to realize was there ain't no fucking box for me that 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 was the that was the the the, the, the fabrication of my own mind there was no box for nor you know I had to create my own bloody box um and actually my box you know isn't really a box. It's just a big, beautiful open space. And I, I sort of started this journey nine years ago when my daughter, you know, eight and a half years ago, my daughter's born of really figuring out what was my place on this planet, how I could create my own success. And, you know, Layla gave me that fire in my belly that I needed to just go and create something really special. So that's kind of my story up until starting my business really so so what was that which I love by the way but what was that that point where you're like or what's that one thing that you go and do because you know loads of people get to points in their life that they're you know stuck or they're like how do I move to the next level did you pick up a book did you go and do a course was it you know you had the fire in your belly but what was the the first step on that ladder I guess well it's so interesting you ask this because my next book is actually all around finding your purpose um, I get this all the time, like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? And and the reality is, is that we don't just have one purpose. This is something that we get drilled into as children. Mm. Go find your one career, go find your one job, go find that one box, go stick in that box for the rest of your goddamn life and eat, sleep, repeat, continue. So we, we think we've got this one box that we've got to go and find as children. 
And that is a really, really overwhelming task. When we actually realize our purpose isn't to find one box, our purpose is to find whatever the fuck makes us happy and to do that every single day. And also on top of that, to find something that also contributes to humanity, we have found the sweet spot. I truly believe that when we think that we have this one purpose, that we then get so overwhelmed trying to find it. It's a bit like, you know, have you ever lost your keys and you're running around the house looking for them and suddenly you go, fuck, they're in my hands. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's always there inside of you what you're meant to do. And we have a blueprint. Each and every one of us has a blueprint of what we're meant to do on this planet. And for me, I knew that every single career that I'd ever looked at or like inquired about or looked at courses at throughout my time of trying to figure out what I was going to do all had one thing in common. They were helping other people. I was looking at teaching, psychology, social services, counseling. These were, this was a real big signs of where my life was leading. But honestly, no one had really heard of coaching when I first started coaching. And then even when I started coaching, I was telling people I'm going to go to university and do a postgraduate in coaching. Everyone's like, what the fuck is that? Like, is that even a real job? Um, you know, people <laughs> you actually get paid for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the weird thing is, is that, so I, how I got to that point was, was recognizing, understanding um, that I, so I was in a job. I took a sales job because I needed money. Of course, like I had a child now. Um, I had tried throughout my first maternity leave with Layla to set up multiple businesses. I was like Del Boy. I was literally doing anything to try and make money. But what I didn't realize back then was my mindset was in the gutter and there was no way I was going to create success with the mindset that I had. And no one had ever taught me about mindset work. I had a freaking psychology degree and no one taught me about mindset work. Um, So I started up all these businesses, didn't continue or make any of them a success. Ended up taking, um, going back to a job that I hated, that I'd taken when I was pregnant, but I had no other choice. You know, it paid well. I got paid a couple grand a month. I thought, do you know what? It'll, it'll, it'll be fine. And that was the beginning of my self-development journey. My mum mm-hmm. had signed up and was working, not working. She'd signed up. Well, I guess it is still working for an MLM company called Forever Living. Mm. We all thought she'd gone batshit crazy. She was coming home. She had gold sheets on her walls. Her office was full of self-development books. She was going to these events. She was like being super positive and talking about the universe. And, 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 and I was like, I don't know who the fuck this woman is, but she obviously had this, whatever it was, was having such a huge positive impact on her. And I was in her office one day and I started to just take out all the audio books and books off her shelf. And, um, and, I, and I was working in a sales job that involved a lot of driving. So I was listening to these audio books in my car. And one was from Jim Rohn. And good old Jim Rohn. I mean, he's dead. I, I hung out with a dead guy more than I hung out with anybody else. <laughs> um, His voice, though, he's, he's so, so... I love it. It makes me fall asleep. I listen to him at nighttime and then I fall asleep so quickly. But he's oh, got really? such amazing wealth of knowledge. It's, he's incredible. It. It, just, it kind of has that Matthew McConaughey accent going on as well, which is yes. just like, yeah, the drawl. Yeah, like I just love. Anyway, so I was listening to him, and he was saying like, the way that you, and this always stuck with me, the way that you find your way, your path is by showing up in your present life the best that you can. So, i.e., instead of me waking up every day dreading the job that I was going to, clock watching all day, hating what I was doing, not know what I was doing, counting down the minutes to be back with my child go into that day and fucking enjoy it. Go into that day and show up present every single moment. Go into that day and be the best. 
So I started to do this and, oh my gosh, like, you know, I was making more sales. I was getting more commission. And at the back of my head, my desire was always there in my heart to do my thing, to find my own path. But as I started to implement this, I took a book off my mum's shelf again, and it was called Selling with NLP. And I, it was, so I thought, you know, I'm going to just learn a bit more about sales. I'm going to get really good at this. And, and in that book, I took it on my honeymoon to Bali. And in that book was the first time I had come across a coach. This guy that wrote the book was a coach and trainer. And I remember reading this book and every single hair on my body stood up and I had this spiritual electricity going through my body. And I was like, I want to be a coach. And so on my honeymoon, I'm like literally like looking for degrees, looking for like, how do I train to become a coach? What do I need to do? And I actually applied to go back to university whilst on my honeymoon. Um, so, I love it. but I, I just knew in my heart. So I was meant to, I didn't know how I was going to make money from it. I didn't know how I was going to get a job in it. And I didn't care at that point. I just knew with every cell in my body that I was meant to do that. Mm. And it was funny because at that point I was like, I'm going to do some, some sort of sales coaching because that's what I'd done for a decade. You know, I'd worked in Clementine 30 for sales and was doing this job. And that was one thing that I was really, really good at. But actually that completely changed because as I started to really delve deep into the world of self-development and manifestation and things like that, I knew that was the turning point for me. And, and by the time I had my second daughter, I had pretty much like completely changed who I was at the core. You know, I wasn't depressed anymore. I didn't suffer from anxiety anymore. You know, I didn't have to take medication for anything anymore. Like I had found this way of living life through a different lens. And I wanted to share this with the world because for so many years, I'd felt so lost and so like in inverted commas broken. I remember crying to my mum saying, why am I broken? Why have I been made faulty? What is wrong with me? Like, this can't be how normal humans feel every single day. And, you know, it's really hard as a mother for her to hear that and not know what to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and she was like, we'll do anything. We'll figure it out. We'll get help. And I remember going to like counseling and therapy and and nothing, nothing really made the difference to when I truly started to do the spiritual work that I started to kind of, you know, embody and practice in my life. And when you talk about the sort of spiritual side, are you meaning sort of the manifestation, the showing up as the best version of you and, and, you know, you're talking about meditating every day or what, explain Um, that spiritual sense in a little bit more for those who are listening. Yeah. I mean, for me, when I use the word spiritual, it has absolutely zero religious connotations whatsoever. Mm. For me, the word spiritual is a reconnection with the non-physical part of you and a full realization and understanding that you are not just this human robot that has to eat, sleep, shit, repeat, go to work, pay your taxes, get a pension, go on a cruise and die, right? Mm -hmm. That is not what we are here for. And when I started to understand that, and I started to understand that actually we are vibratory beings living in a vibratory universe, that everything's a fucking illusion. And actually we are way more powerful. We have the, the power to create our lives. We have the power to use our thoughts. We have the power of our imagination. When I started to really understand that and put that into practice and see my life change, I realized, wow, like I am not a product of my external, I'm not, I don't need to be a product of my external circumstances. I can be a product of my internal world. I'm a product, you know, of everything I'm thinking inside my mind. And, and suddenly this hopeless, powerless girl 
who didn't know how to take control of her life, who felt lost, who felt like everything was happening to her, completely shifted and realized, wait a minute, I'm part of this incredible tapestry. I'm part of the universe. I'm part of this, you know, infinite field of possibilities. I have the power to create. And once I started to kind of take my wand out and know how to use it again, magic was happening in my life. And Mm -hmm. everything started to change. Literally fucking everything. And I started to realize that, you know, and this is what I talk about in my next book, spoiler alert, your purpose is to connect back to that, to realize everything that you've ever been taught is complete bollocks. And that actually, it's not about going somewhere. It's about remembering who you truly are at your very core and trusting that and realizing that actually, you know, when I was a child and thought everyone else is batshit crazy, I was right. (laughs) Um, You know, and watching how the world worked. And, you know, I used to ask questions like who invented school? Why do people have to go to work Monday to Friday? Who decided the week was Monday to Friday? Why didn't someone make the weekend Monday to Friday? All these questions baffled me. Because I was like, who is running the show? Who is deciding this happening? And as I got older, I was like, why is there so many people with mental health problems? Why is there so many people suffering? Why is there so much poverty? What? And all of these questions, I couldn't get my head around. And as I started to realize and, and grow older, is that we are, we are put in a system where we're taught not to thrive. We're taught to survive. So, you know, my purpose of my second book is really to get people to wake up realize they're not humanoids they aren't robots that they are spiritual beings they are human you know spiritual beings living a human existence and actually when we can tap back into that we have unlimited power to create just the best freaking life amazing what's one thing that you've manifested that you've been like uh, that you not didn't think would happen but but really surprised you in the sense of I know this 100% works um oh my god so many things that I literally be all day, but let me just give you a couple. So, um, you know, I wrote on um, in 2017, I was in Los Angeles and Los Angeles is like my soul home. Um, I really feel like in a past life, I must've been there, but, and I was, I was there and I wrote down on a list. I was at an event. I wrote down on a list. I want to do, get a book deal. I want to get a TEDx talk. And bear in mind, like I just started my business. So I was literally like a nobody. Uh, no one knew me. I didn't have, you know, about 10 followers, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to write down these things that I want. Literally within two weeks, I get a phone call out the blue from someone at um, who was running a TEDx event. Someone had dropped out and someone had recommended me. And they were like, would, would you be up for doing it? <laughs> 48 hours. I was like, whoa. So that was like, okay, maybe coincidence, right? Then I, um, and then I was like, right, I want to get a book deal. And, um, you know, against all of the odds, against all the rejections, I ended up getting a book deal with one of the top three biggest publishers in the, you know, in the, in the country, the top three with Hachette. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a story that literally, like, even when I tell it every single time, it gives me goosebumps. Back in um, June 2017, I was walking around New York City. I, was, I just held an event there, which was a dream. And I was listening to Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass. Oh, I love that book. I tell so many of those I mentor to listen to. It's a great book. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to it on Audible and I was in my heart, like, I was like, oh my God, like, I want to write a book that makes me feel the way that Jen is making me feel. (laughs) And I felt like I already kind of knew that my style of writing, the way that I conversed was quite similar to her. And in the privacy of my own heart and my own head, I said to myself, I want to be like the UK Jensen Chara. Like I want to be British Jensen Chara. And obviously I'd never said that out loud to anybody else because number one, that's fucking cringy. And number two, it's like, you know, you don't want to be like anybody else, right? So I've got to get it in my own little head. And 
fast forward to, this is June 2017, fast forward to March the 3rd, 2018. I get an email from my agent who says to me, Hachette, I've just offered you a book deal. Here's the email. And she'd emailed them in the morning. She had never in the history of book deals has anybody ever gotten back to me so quickly and offered someone a book deal and show me the email. And my jaw hit to the floor. It was, it said, we are Jensen Charo's UK publisher and we have been looking for the British version and we truly believe that North. <laughs> love it, love it. I literally, I, I literally read this and I, I can't even see that they were like, we've been looking for a British kind of version and we really believe North could be it. I, you know, I, there was no fucking debating anymore. There's something out there was listening to me. And then with my third daughter, I, I was like, I'm going to have a home birth. It's going to be on the weekend. My mother-in-law is going to be there because she's not been at any of the births of my grandchildren. My kids are going to be asleep upstairs. I'm going to give birth downstairs. And I planned it all out. And literally every single thing happened. Yeah, my kids upstairs asleep. I gave birth downstairs. My mother-in-law was there. It was the weekend. And it was funny because after I gave birth and I was on my sofa and the, the midwife says to me, oh gosh, um, you're, you're bleeding a bit. And I, I think you have to go to the hospital. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't in the plan. She said, what plan? I went, the plan. I mean, everything else has come to fruition. Like that's like, you know, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm, I'm not going to need stitches. Like, that's not happening. And she was like, I'm really sorry, but I can't stop the bleeding. So I'm like, fucking hell. Like I got, got in the ambulance. They took me to the hospital and I got to the hospital and the doctor went, you're not bleeding. You don't need stitches. And I was like, <laughs> I, told her, I told her it wasn't in the plan. You shouldn't believe me. Um, but it was really funny because even the night before I gave birth to Mira, I was 37 weeks pregnant and I was in my kitchen and I just had this strong intuition. I'm going to go into labor. And my mother-in-law was actually going out to a wedding and she was going to get drunk. So I was like, fuck, do I tell her? Like, don't go just in case. Like, that's crazy. I can't tell her, oh, I've got a gut feeling. Don't go to the wedding. It was also her birthday. Don't go out on your birthday. Don't go to your friend's wedding. (laughs) Because I have a hunch. So I literally stood in my kitchen and looked up at the sky and I was like, right, universe. I don't know, I was looking up at the sky. Right, universe, I need you to show me a purple butterfly. I need to to show me a butterfly if I am going to go in labor tonight because I just need to know if this gut feeling is right. Anyway, so... We've gone to have um, dinner and I've, I've got a salad and a little bit of red onion falls on the side of the, the table. And, my, and I, I went to pick it up. My, my sword went, no, mommy, don't move my butterfly. <laughs> I, look, I look at Richard and I always teach this to people, like sometimes the symbols aren't actually um, the like, actual thing. Liter- literal. So I took a photo of this fucking piece of red onion, sent it to my agent. And I said, if I go into labor tonight, I've just, you know, I've just asked for a sign, da, da, da. And I've got this whole message and that photo on my phone. I always share it with my, my people because I to prove to them this story is real. And I sent it to my agent. I went, if I go into labor tonight, I swear to God, I will never, ever, 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 ever doubt anything about the universe ever again. Like not even one speck. And um, I look at my husband who obviously like thinks I'm actually crazy still. Like, <laughs> it's a red onion, no, it's not a butterfly. And we finished dinner. I stand up, boom, my fucking waters break right there and then. Um, oh, wow. On the, what a on story. The, on the living room floor. And I looked to him and I went, don't ever tell me the universe doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah um so yeah that was obviously and I literally messaged my agent five minutes later and she thought I was completely taking the piss that I, my waters had broken you know she, and I was like I swear to god she was like this has to go in the book I was like of course it has to go in the book but um so yeah I mean in terms of like stories you asked me I mean literally I have so many more like that it's unbelievable but those three I definitely think are ones that always stick to my head I love it and it just it's just that connection and you know people can relate to it and um, I love I love a story or three a couple of little uh, more questions before we guess wrap up and and you can tell people about your new book when's it coming and a little bit about the, the one that I read but something that you do is you know we've talked about a little bit today about you know making money sales was something that you know you, you had your background in and you teach uh, would you say teach you help you inspire people that they can also be rich what's yeah, the myth yeah. about it why do people think they can be or what is it that holds them back about that well once again we live in a system which is designed to help us survive not thrive um so I think the first book for me that really changed this was a book think and grow rich so I highly recommend yes. that every single person reads that um, and actually what's so weird is that book, I read that book whilst in Costa Coffee after just throwing up my guts up because I was had morning sickness with my second daughter. And I was sat in Costa Coffee, like scanning this book, like reading this book and like just devouring every page. And I felt angry, like, could this be real? Like no one's ever told me this before. You know, I went to private school. I went to university. No one's ever told me that I could use my mind. No one's ever told me that we can create wealth. No one's ever ta- taught me this stuff about money. And that was the beginning of this like, long obsession with understanding money mindset and it's funny because actually one of my biggest dreams actually is to walk into Heathrow airport and see my book mm-hmm. um, and and I haven't ever had that because WH Smith didn't take my book on so it wasn't going to be in Heathrow airport and the other day I get a picture from one of my clients because they all know this has been one of my dreams and she went no you're never going to believe it I'm in Heathrow airport in WH Smith oh no and your book and it is sat right next to Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. I have got goose pimples. My hairs have just uh, stood yeah. up all over and, my arm. And, and me, and literally, I have to message my agent going, so I messaged her and went, are you sure this is WH Smith? Because no, my publishers haven't told me. My agent has something. No one actually knew the WH Smith took the book on. But I, well, no one told me anyway. So obviously this is a huge, for WH Smith to take my book on after two years is like, they would only take on books that proved success. So to see my little book next to Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Witch, which is a book which changed the trajectory of my life. It was just, it was like a moment for me, like a milestone moment of just realization of how full circle I've come from that moment in Costa back in 2014 to being here sat next to Napoleon on the fucking shelf, you know? So that was obviously <laughs> just an amazing moment for me. But that led me to the science of getting rich, uh, Wallace T. Wattles, and let me mm. led me to the secrets of the millionaire mind, T. Harbecker. And as I started, and, and how rich people think, and I started to understand more and more and more, money is energy. Money is a represent- representation of the value you put in the world and how valuable people think you are, and thus, thus how much they pay you. So if you want to make more money, you just have to become more valuable. You have to figure out a way of how you can serve others. And so I think there's a lot of myths around money because money is something that we fear. It is the thing that runs the world, whether we like it or not. It does run the world. When we don't have it, we are scared, anxious, frustrated, um, overwhelmed. We do have it. We don't often know what we should do with it or we just spend it and we're back to square one. And 
cultivating a, a healthy relationship with money is something that I think is so freaking paramount to every single human on this planet. And I just think, you know, the fact that it's not taught to people, it, there's a reason, you know, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, the world is designed for 99% of the people to be under a certain um, earning bracket and for 1% of the people to be the richest people on the planet. And, and, you know, I think one thing that I feel so passionate about is helping people to break that so they can create the wealth so that then we can make the difference to those that need it because digressing slightly, but there's enough money in the US Federal Reserve to wipe out poverty straight away. Like we could wipe it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that really, really, really upset me um, because this is where our world is run by ego and not love. Our world is run by, you know, greed and power. And the only way that we can change that is by creating our own wealth so that we can then make the difference that we want to make where we want to make it. So I think the myths around money are that um, there's a limited supply of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to truly believe that like, I went to private school, but I lived in a three bed, tiny terrace ex council house. And I would go to my friend's houses who I should not lived in like Wimbledon village in these mansions <laughs> where I would literally get lost. And so I genuinely believed that that's how like we were the other half. Like there's one half that are lucky and wealthy and there's mm-hmm. one half that aren't. And my parents both had good jobs. My, pa- you know, we did move out of that house eventually to, to a much, you know, bigger house, not still on the wrong side of Wimbledon. It was like the shitty side of Wimbledon. It's not anymore. There's no shitty side of Wimbledon now. Now there's no, there's no shit side of Wimbledon. Everything's beautiful. And, you know, every, you know, all the houses are worth loads. But back then there was like a nice side and there was a shitty side. Yeah. Um, so I live, you know, in the ghetto. Um, and, and so I genuinely believe like, you know, my dad was a lawyer. You know, my dad was a fucking lawyer. He had his own firm. My mum was a manager, you know, uh, you know, in Chelsea Knightsbridge for care homes. They both had decent salaries. But by that point, it didn't, you still couldn't live the life that people at that higher level lived. So for me, I was seeing my parents working all these hours and we still did not live the life that other people lived. So for me, again, it was like, well, my belief systems were, well, it doesn't matter how what job you get, you're still never going to have that lavish life because it's not meant for you because you're not one of the lucky ones because you're not one of the wealthy ones. Mm. Um, and it's so funny because we have such perceptions as well around wealth and, and, and whatnot. I mean, I did a TikTok video the other day and I was sharing how I, um, you know, that growing up, I truly didn't believe, like for me, I truly believed that my best goal that I could ever work for was making 50K a year by the time I was 50. I would work up to 50k as times 50. And then I shared that actually I make 50k a month. I bank at least 50k a month. And the amount of trolls that came out was off the fucking scale. They were like, and these were the funniest comments. You don't look like you live in a mansion, you're a liar. Your your room looks like you bought stuff from home bargains. Yeah, I fucking have. And what? Um, <laughs> What's I also, your problem with that? IKEA and BM. Fuck like if you've got, but it's so funny how people's perceptions is like you've got to have this like really lavish lifestyle but you know and all this stuff otherwise you can't be wealthy and you know what they don't understand is my net worth or the properties that I've bought or that stuff or the fact that we're trying to buy another house but I haven't managed it yet but the point being is that all of these myths around money all these beliefs that we have are so distorted and so wrong mm. so when we start to really understand money at a fundamental level um, and I have a program called you can be rich and I teach this whole process over 30 days you start to understand what money truly is, what its purpose is, how to understand what your beliefs are around money, how to undo that programming, how to create new beliefs, yada, 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 yada. 
thus then opening the gateway to creating and attracting more of that currency, currency energy into your life. Mm -hmm. Love it. It's funny when you talk about things when you were younger, what you wanted. I remember like when I was about seven or eight saying to my mum, seeing an advert on the car and it was a a Sia Ibiza. And I remember saying one day I would love to be able to afford that car. Do you know what? That was my car that it gave me was when I was when I was a manager in Club 1830. <laughs> <laughs> like Philly Big Balls. I was like driving around in my say it, Ibiza, in Ibiza. I was loving life. Um, so um, so no, definitely. It's so funny. I'm not really a materialistic person. This is this is this is something that is so funny because like my one of my best friends, she knows how much I earn. And and like I literally like still like buy clothes from HM, like I don't care for designer clothes, like you know, my, my outfit will never probably be more than like 70 quid because I just wear leggings and a hoodie and trainers. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, I don't, I'm just not, you know, I don't care for watches. You know, I don't, I'm just not a fair person. She was like, no, like you look like a poor person. She went, I, it always blows my mind. I don't have designer handbags, you know, which is like, it always blows my mind. Or like how people would never guess. And I remember walking into my accountant years ago and actually left that accountant because she made me feel really uncomfortable. And she was my mum, like accounts I've rolled in my leggings and my hoodie and sat down and she looks at my accounts went have you made all this money <laughs> like oh my like, god she actually like, said that yeah, but like she was genuinely I think so perplexed at seeing this kind of like 30 you know I was 30 years old probably at the time or 31 years old sat in front of her and she just couldn't like you know I, I think people don't put two and two together because I don't live this lavish like you know my you know I it's just I'm just not that person I mean the only thing that I've got that's ever so slightly flashy is a Range Rover because that was the car that I've always wanted and actually I didn't get the one that I really wanted I got the Velar and I'm going to get the one that I really want next year because if I get the one I want already I've got nothing to fucking work up to (laughs) because I'm not a materialistic person but I do love traveling and holidays and creating memories with my kids and things like that so yeah, it's really fun. Like all these perceptions about like what a wealthy person should be or what they should have or weird or um, be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think you need to tell people your book, the first book that I read, actually I remember where I was walking around Damak Hills in Dubai, listening uh, to your book. So what's the name of the first book? Share that with everyone. And then can you share the name of your second book? Well, um, first book is called Just Fucking Do It. And- <laughs> It's, um, yeah, it's kind of the starter to my second book. The second book's kind of the main and the dessert, if you're really lucky as well. But it's the starter. And it really talks a bit about my background, but also what really helped me change and really talks you through the steps of manifestation and like personal development. You know, I'm so incredibly blessed because, you know, every single day I wake up to just gorgeous messages from people all over the world who've read my book and sharing it and you know, tell me that's changed their life. So, you know, that's a really amazing kind of introductory book to what I believe helped me change my life and can help everyone else change their life. So this is actually the first time I'm going to be sharing the name of my second book because it has not been announced yet to anybody. But the name of my second book is called You Only Live Once. And it's about finding your purpose and really stepping into your biggest life. I actually can't remember what the byline is off the top of my head <laughs> which is always really really good in promoting a book um but um I've been waiting anxiously for my editors to actually send me um the proof of the front cover so um but yeah hashtag YOLO so we've got hashtag JFDI hashtag YOLO 
And yeah, it's all about really just if you feel stuck in life at any level or you don't feel like you're living your the life that's meant for you or you feel like you don't, you can't access that more that you know that's there for you, that this book is going to really help you to understand why and then how to change that. Incredible. Well, I cannot wait to read it. And thank you so much for sharing your title here of the second book um, with the audience on today's podcast. Where can people find you, Han? What you know, I think your website's not your name, it's it's slightly different. It's so share dream. that and then your social media handles and we'll wrap up. Awesome. So um I'm at thisisyourdream.com. Um, because I used to always tell everyone when I was younger, like, go on for it, this is your dream. And it was so ironic because you know, my dream as a child was actually to go be on Broadway and be like a performer. Um, and um and you know, I didn't get to do that dream because everyone growing up told me that it wasn't realistic. And to be fair, like I wasn't really good at singing, so I was never going to make it really. But <laughs> all the, the cabaret singing. Yeah. Did you have your moment in the limelight then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I actually didn't really, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that it was the height of me performing. But um, so this is Irene.com. Um, I'm literally on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the, the, the platforms. So just um, type my name and you'll find You'll find me on on every platform. I'm just yeah everywhere. <laughs> Which is your your primary platform? Which one do you love communicating with the most to to your audience? I would probably say that Instagram's the one that I write the most on, and I do kind of put the stuff on Facebook. I mean, but obviously my clients are all on Facebook, so I communicate a lot with you know clients, customers on there. But I probably Instagram is the one that I have been more focused on, and that's where we chatted on as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so happy that I managed to uh, get you to, you know, say you're happy to come on here, talk about your book and just be part of it. So thank you so much for having me. Every success. I'm so glad we got to speak and um, yeah, have an awesome summer. Thank you. And you. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the episode today. Were you inspired? What was one takeaway that really resonated with you? Head over to Instagram. I love to hang out there. Kelly Lundberg official and drop me a DM. Tell me the best part or even better, screen share it, share it with a friend and inspire them too. We are going weekly and it's all down to you. Thank you so much. Reviewer of the week left this message easy and inspirational listening kelly has an infectious style which brightens your day from luck scott thank you so much please keep leaving those ratings and reviews on apple podcasts or following on spotify it really does make a massive difference and remember be inspired and keep following those dreams